The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. 1 John chapter 2, verse 29 says, If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of Him. Now, I want to share with you, when you see that word born of him in verse 229, it won't be the last time you'll read those uh, those three words again and again. Five different times it is said again, born of him. So what we're about to dig into in 1 John is to make sure that you have been born of God, born again. It means that you have this relationship with the Lord So John is writing this to make sure that you have a a relationship with the Son. The first part was fellowship. This is sonship, knowing Christ. And so here on Exploring the Word, that's what we want to do. We want to make sure those who listen know Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. Alex, again, I, I know I look for repeated words and repeated phrases, but I was kind of really... Uh, in the book of First John, we talked about knowing is, is used three times, the wor- uh, 30 times or more. The word abide is used over and over again. But then I saw this phrase, born of God, used at least six times from chapter, nearly all the way in chapter 3, one time in, in, in chapter 2. But you want to make sure you've been born of God. You know, uh, that, isn't Amen. that what Jesus said to Nicodemus? You need to it- be born again. Absolutely. And, and you know, in John chapter 3, he told Nicodemus, unless a person is born again, born from above, they cannot see the kingdom of God. So, Bert, good for you. You always notice the repeated words. And, and I think the repetition is, is for emphasis, isn't it? I, I think just like when Jesus would say, verily, verily, truly, truly, I say to you, when the Lord repeats something... <laughs> Uh, it behooves us to listen, doesn't it? I agree. Uh, well, let me tell you, I think I grew up with a mother and dad that had to repeat a lot of times of this stubborn, strong-willed little boy, uh, you know, and so learning comes by repetition, and so here we have it again. But we're in chapter two. We want to finish chapter two, and we'll go into chapter three today. But Alex, you ended it, and I thought you did it a great job in chapter 2, verse 25, when this is the promise, that he has promised us eternal life. Uh, John, just again and again, let, let me just share with you, in the book of Gospel of John, it was all about relationships. He had 11 different conversations that he would have with an individual or a small group or 11 different one in us that about a relationship. When you come to the book of 1 John, again and again, isn't it about relationships? Oh, a- absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, speaking of this promise, this wonderful promise, this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. Okay, in num- Numbers twenty three nineteen, it says that God cannot lie. In Hebrews 6, verse 18, it says that it is impossible for God to lie. So, And these are many I could give, but in Old and New Testaments, it, it assures us 
that the Lord cannot, will not lie or mislead us. So we have this promise that if we've put our faith in Jesus, we have eternal life. Bert, isn't that a wonderful reassurance to lean on? It really is. And using the word promise two times emphasizes, you know, that time he, he could not swear or promise with anything above himself. I mean, when God makes a promise and he promises it in his name, you can count on it. So here, notice these words. This is the promise that he has promised us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I I think he's driving home the point that uh, when God makes that, as you said earlier, he cannot lie. He keeps his promises, Alex. Amen. Well, you know, um, Bert, have you ever had jury duty? I have. Uh, That's a a day you invest in citizenship, I'll say. (laughs) Well, I was there for two weeks because I was on the grand jury. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, but I had to miss three times because being a pastor, good thing about grand juries, you, you know, uh, it's more, just more than 12. It's quite a bit. And if you have to miss for an emergency, you can, but it was, yes, I've been on a jury. Well, you take the oath of, of honesty, you know, just like a defendant or, or someone who testifies in a trial. But when I, I did jury duty, it's been a long time ago, but you swear that you're going to be honest, you're going to be confidential, you swear an oath of honesty. See, we affirm by God. But you know, in Hebrews 6, and, and folks, this is regarding the um, promises of God. He could swear by no greater than himself. Is, is Hebrews 6, 13. Uh, that is, that, say that again. Just And I want everybody to pay close attention. Listen now, to what God said. He promised by himself because why, Alex? Well, there's none greater than God. I mean, you know, you and I as a human being, we might say, uh, as God is my witness, I will tell you the truth. But God, I mean, uh, by by what measuring stick would God swear? There is, so Hebrews 6.13 says, God made his promise to Abraham because there was no one greater for him to swear by, so he swore by himself. Mm. Now, here's, here's part of the reason I'm saying this, folks. It's assurance for your salvation, because God has promised. Now, let me say, if you haven't come to Christ, God has also promised that those who reject Jesus will be lost. So whether it's a warning of condemnation or the sweet assurance of salvation, you have the promise of God's word. One last thing that I do want to say is, in Psalm 132, God says... My word have I exalted above my name. So here's the thing. When God says, you know, as sure as I am the Lord thy God, I will do this or that. Also, sworn in authenticity by God's own name and nature is his word. So the Bible is still true and always will be. God himself has said so. Amen. This, then it follows up in verse 26, and I, let me read 26 and 27 together. These things I've written to you to concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things that is and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. There it goes. But, Alex, I want to ask you something, and I do want you to respond. Notice how much is talked about in the anointing in this 
passage of Scripture. And we've already talked about a good bit, and we did that yesterday, about the father and son and that relationship because 22 all and 23, they make it a big deal about the father and son and their relationship, and uh, you don't know the father without the son. But the anointed, okay, in the Old Testament, the ones that were anointed were, and over the head for purpose, yes, the priest would be, a king would be, and a prophet would be. And it was the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But since that middle wall of partition or the veil was rent in two, let me see, who is anointed by the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, Alex? The believer. <laughs> so, because uh, yeah. we're a kingdom of priests. Isn't that good? When you read this about the Father and Son, and you say, well, I don't see the Spirit in there, look at the word anointing. That is where we are. We are the Holy Spirit comes in our life, and that's why it says uh, in verse 27, but this anointing which you have received from him abides in you. That is the person of the Holy Spirit in us, Alex. I, I just could not get away. You're the one that always, I, you're talking about me finding repeated phrases. You're the one, man, you find the Trinity. Uh, I found that. If it's in there, you're going to see it. But isn't this what it's talking about, the Holy Spirit's ministry in a believer's life? You know what? I was reading First John 2.27, and, and I was looking it up in a lexicon, and, and I think this is worth saying. First John 2.27, but the anointing which you received of him, God the Holy Spirit, abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. So what is this saying? Well, it's saying that the Holy Spirit that drew you to Christ, the Holy Spirit that regenerated you and made you alive in Christ, Holy Spirit that indwells you and seals you, the Holy Spirit of God remains. And it's interesting, uh, and folks, don't panic here, but the word anointing in the English is in the Greek charisma. Amen. <laughs> I want to tell you, if you're a born-again Christian, you're a charismatic. Amen. Now, uh, and, and I can hear my Baptist friends going, oh, no, I am not. <laughs> yes, you are. Because the Holy Spirit's ministry, and it's a twofold ministry within you, the ministry of equipping and the ministry of using you. See, um, Bert, I was reading this one lexicon that of this word. I love this. The Spirit of God in you, it means the Spirit persuading the believer inwardly of God's preferences and truth. So this indwelling spirit that comforts you, guides you, instructs you, it's there. But then also the Holy Spirit that equips you to use you. <laughs> the ministry of the Holy Spirit, First John 2.27, remains in each believer. Hallelujah. Amen. Alex, aren't you glad Jesus said, I must go away? Because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit will not come. But when he comes, you'll do greater things. We find that, I, I would say, expounded upon in what this verse you've just read and explained. Mm. You mean the Holy Spirit was necessary. Jesus said, honestly, Jesus is saying it. Let me put it in my vernacular and see if you think it's right. Jesus said, I'm doing you a favor by going back to the, the, the Father and sending the Holy Spirit. I, I'm, I'm doing what's best for you. I believe he really meant that, and it does mean that, don't you? 
Uh, I do, I do. Um, and he said, and the old King James renders it expedient. Yeah. We don't use that word a lot anymore, but it is to your benefit that I go away. Yeah. I love verse 28, 1 John 2, 28, and now little children abide in him that when he shall appear, Jesus, when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Uh, I want to comment on 29, but first 28. But we're going to see the Lord one day. And we want to appear before him confidently, unashamed when he comes. Amen. And folks, the time to prepare to see Jesus is now and be ready. Look at those three A's in 28. Abide in him, so and he'll abide you at his appearing. And when you do that and he abides in you and you abide in him, you won't be ashamed. Sounds like three pretty good ideas. Hey, we'll be back going into chapter three here on Exploring the Word. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarlane here along with Bert Harper. You're listening to the American Family Radio Network. We're in the New Testament book of 1 John 2, verse 29. And, uh, hey, Bert, you know, we have this music where when we fade out or rejoin, sometimes in radio they call it a punch-out or a rejoin, and there's music. And then sometimes they call it bumper music because, you know, we bump out, we punch back in. Brent Austin picks out the best gospel songs for our bumper music, doesn't he? He does, and I I just love that. Listen, uh, God's not dead. He's surely alive. I was waiting for that, but, you know, it's hard to get it all in. We had a lady one time said, this is what I wished you guys would do. Take all that music, all the intro music, and put it together. And we, you know, we can't do that, but it is good music. Hey, I want to share something with you, Alex. Brent, while he's doing all the keeping up with us, making sure we're connected, he's also looking at Facebook. And he's got some guys that every once in a while they'll call in. Some ladies are not call in, but they'll, they will get in connection. And Sean, Sean from is in Texas at the Texas Motor Speedway today. Oh, and, boy. Yeah, how do you like that? At the Texas Motor Speedway. And uh, he's Amen. putting in some plexiglass there and is listening. And so, Sean, thank you for Facebooking. And, and Brent does a good job of keeping up with that, and we appreciate that so much. And uh, he, he does that a lot better than I would ever do it. I'll put it that way. I've got to say this, Bert. Yeah. Sean, if you're down there putting in plexiglass at Texas Motor Speedway, you're on some holy ground because <laughs> if you happen to see the movie Jesus Revolution, at the end there's film footage of Billy Graham preaching in front of this ocean of humanity. Well, in 1972, 100,000 people, mostly teenagers, came to the Texas Motor Speedway. Josh McDowell was there, Johnny Cash was there, Billy Graham was there, Pat Boone was there, and a lot of those people would spend the next five decades valiantly serving Christ. And so one of the great revivals, it was really kind of the, the peak moment of the Jesus movement took place right there at the Texas Motor Speedway, Sean. So thanks for listening, brother. Amen. And Alex, here in North Mississippi, that was the year I was a freshman in college. 
But I had a really? lot of fr- Yeah, I had a lot of friends. They were a part of what we call the BSU, the Baptist Student Union at Northeast sure. Mississippi Junior College, where I went the first two years. And they went out there, and they were a part of that. Then they came back. You talking about being on fire for Jesus? It uh, and again, just to be a little bit connected with that has blessed my life. And you and I have been at several meetings. And they will be giving testimonies to some people, and they'd say, I, I got saved during the Jesus Revolution. I got saved. Yes. God spoke to me. And listen, I want to tell you, and guess where? It started out in California, and uh, mm-hmm. it came east, and it really did make a difference in our country. And I praise God for that. Sean, Amen. thank you for Facebooking with us today. Uh, in verse 29 of 1 John 2, 29, um, I'm going to read, I've got my King James with me. Bert, my Bible, I bought in Tupelo, actually, um, and it's special to me. I'm not King James only, but I found this Bible, and I like it. But it says, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. But let me read this in the Greek. It, it might make a little, or be a little more clear. Um, if you know that he is righteous, you know also that everyone practicing righteousness of him has been begotten. Now, what is it saying here? It's saying that if you've been born again, you will practice righteousness. Now, it's not works that saves you. Now, if this was the only verse about salvation, we might potentially be confused about it. But we have so many verses about salvation. Clearly, we're not saved by works. However, if we are saved we will bear good fruit. That's like Ephesians 2, 8 and 10. But you know what, Bert? Let me, let me throw this out here. I know we might read this and say, well, we know we need to do right and we need to live right, and that is true. But actually what it's saying is, and this is by Christ who holds us in the palm of his hand, by the righteousness of Christ that's been imparted to us, by the Spirit of God that indwells us, It's not that we're trying to be good to stay saved. That's not what it's saying at all. But if we are born again, saved, just by our very nature, we're going to bear righteous fruit. Amen. We're going to do righteously, not because of us, but because of Christ in us, the hope of glory. What he has done in us works its way out of us, Alex. Think about that. He has done this Glory work. to God. He does. He works that in us. Now, again, we I'm going back in time here. When uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson was president, they declared a war on poverty. And during okay. that period of time, they tried to do a lot of good works, and they did some good things. I, I'm sharing that with you. The problem was what they did to do that, they they laid down some things that uh, ultimately hurt But they, what they was trying to do. But they was trying to take people out of the, the ghettos, the people in the uh, Appalachian Mountains, out of the shacks that they were living in and give them something better. But listen, you can take that out of a person, but whatever's on the inside is ultimately going to work out. And so although they changed the circumstances on the outside, they still remain the same person they were on the inside. And here's what God does. He works in us so that he can work out of us. And so, listen, let, and I heard this, and this was good. I think it's good. When we get saved, we do have two natures. 
we do not lose the uh, carnal nature, the fleshly nature, but we gain a spiritual nature. Now, and someone said, whichever one you feed the most is the one that will work out. And that is so true. So you want to feed the spirit. You want to stay in the word. You want to pray. You want to be in fellowship in a church. You want to serve the Lord. And so, and, and so, Alex, guess what? That practicing that righteousness that's on the inside without being righteous on the inside, no matter what you practice on the outside, it, it, it is what? It is nothing. That's mm. what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. If you don't have love, it profits you nothing. If you don't have the change in your life, your heart, your mind, your will, emotions, then regardless of what you do on the outside, listen, it does not change your destiny. And so you want to yeah. get right with God and do it today. Well, you know, here's one of the ironies, Bert. Uh, as you know, there are those that aren't born again, but outwardly they may look like it. They yeah. might look very upright and, and moral. And then there are those that are born again that can misbehave and not look saved, you know? Yes. Uh, and um, it's interesting. I just had the privilege of doing a session here with the, the folks at the Child Evangelism Fellowship National Convention. Erwin uh, Lutzer spoke this morning, by the way, and I had the privilege at lunch of sitting with Dr. Lutzer for a long time, and we talked, and Crawford Loritz is here. You'll know some yeah, of these names. Yeah, I know and, him, yeah. You know, Dr. Lutzer had told me about a month ago how he listens to Exploring the Word. And I thought, oh, my goodness, Erwin Lutzer, uh, I have such a love and respect for him. But um, this morning, Bert, as we were doing these sessions, a lot of people ask, they say teenagers and children ask the question, you know, why should I be a Christian when Christians have done so many bad things? Now, that's a whole other subject, and I said, well, you know, try to help them understand, you know, first of all, those of us that name the name of Christ, we ought to live like it. But even if every Christian misbehaved, Jesus is still risen, you know. Um, Christians that do behave, that doesn't make Jesus more risen. And Christians that misbehave, it doesn't make Jesus less risen. But as you and I have talked about many, many times, sad reality is, very often people judge the truth of Christianity based on what they perceive as the behavior of the Christians. Uh, but at any rate, we need to remember that a, a world is watching. Now, verse 1 of chapter 3, I used to play this song on the guitar when I was a youth pastor. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Do you remember that song? I do. Court, I, do. I hadn't thought about it in a long time, but I do remember that, Alex. And and the the wording there, the word "behold," is very interesting. You know, uh, it's really the a word. It's similar to the word "idea." In other words, think about it. Just reflect, perceive, attend to this. And and there's the um, implication of just wonderment, it, amazed. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that, that what? That we should be called the children of God. Now, here's the thing. Um, I don't know if you'll ever be wealthy. I don't know if you'll ever 
get famous, not that those things matter really, but here is the thing in which we all can rejoice, that we are children of God. Amen. Amen. Isn't that isn't that a mind-boggling, wonderful reality? I don't know what come what may, but I belong to the Savior. Praise God. Therefore, the world does not know us. They can't figure us out. What makes you tick? What makes you go to church on a Sunday morning when you could sleep in? Why do you not go to the golf course on a Sunday, man, when all week it's been raining and this is your first day to be able to get on the golf course, but you choose to go to church? They just can't figure us out. And then it says, because it did not know him. They can't figure us out. They couldn't figure Jesus out. They, he told them who he was. But they said, no. Listen, the world may get us wrong, may never understand us. But who are we pleasing? We're pleasing the Father. Everything we do. So he says, beloved, now we are children of God. Here it is. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. You, let me put it in my vernacular, Alex, and I'll throw it back to you. You hadn't seen anything yet. <laughs> Amen. You know, I love First John 3, verse 2. Um, and when I was a brand-new believer, and I know Angie is probably listening, Pastor Mark Sink, who had such an influence on me, uh, and I did his funeral last year, but Mark Sink would always say this. He said, I'm not what I ought to be, but I'm not what I used to be. Praise God. And praise Amen. God, I'm not yet what I'm going to be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Verse 2, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. <laughs> see, that shouting ground, Alex, listen. It, it is. You're just talking about charisma, the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Man, when you see that, when, when he is revealed, we're going to see him one day. That's enough, but there's even more, right? That's what he's saying, isn't it? Well, verse 3, And every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. Okay, if you're born again, you are pure, you are righteous in the eyes of God. In terms of sonship, you're as saved as you're ever going to be, because you've been washed clean, you've been indwelt and sealed by the Spirit, and the righteousness of Jesus is accredited to you. But in terms of fellowship, like... Verse 3 says, you purify yourself every day. In other words, you try to live for Jesus. Now, one day you're going to see Jesus. And, um, hey, the minute you see Jesus as the great song by the cathedrals, you ought to Google it and you'll have revival. We shall see Jesus just as he is. Verse 2. And you will be glorified. You're going to be instantaneously changed and you'll be conformed, fully conformed to the image of Christ. Now we're partially conformed, and we're getting more sanctified every day, I hope. But i got to say this. Look, every man who has this hope in himself purifies himself. Bert, this is not a great illustration, but many, many years ago I had the joy of meeting the Beach Boys, my musical heroes, Brian Wilson, great songwriter. So one of my friends who's a Christian said, Hey, come and come early, and maybe we'll get to jam a little bit. We'll get to play a little bit of music. And uh, you can believe. Now, I, <laughs> I practiced anyway, but and it, he said, uh, Carl Wilson's going to be, some of you music people, you know these names. Carl Wilson, Al Jardine, uh, come early and we'll jam a little. You can be sure I practiced, 
practice. I was like ready. I thought, I don't know if we'll get to play together or not, but I'm going to be ready. Well, here's the thing. Um, even more than any earthly experience, times 10,000, we, we want to live righteously for the one who made it possible for us to be righteous. Amen. We want to live joyfully and holy for the one who gave his life that we could be cleansed. You know what I mean? We have this hope in ourselves. Therefore, out of gratitude and expectation, we purify ourselves because we're going to see the Lord one day. Amen. Now, I want to ask a question, consorting to verse 3, to those who, who are listening, do you have that hope? Is there been a time in your life when Jesus Christ became Lord of your life? You saw yourself in need of a Savior because you knew you were as a sinner. You knew that Jesus died on the cross for you, that he rose again. And then you purposely, you just with all your life, with all your heart, prayed and said, Oh, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I can't save myself. I want you to be Lord of my life. I surrender my life to you for now and forever. If you've ever prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want to tell you, you got to mean it. You got It's more than words. God looks upon the heart. He knows truth. You have this hope. And Alex, in such a hopeless time that, that we hear, you turn on the news and it's filled with hopelessness. Oh, what are we going to do? Oh, where are we going to turn? I know things are bad and difficult out there. I live in the real world as well, and I understand mm -hmm. it. Uh, I have uh, three sons, three daughter-in-laws, five grandchildren, and they live in this real world, and we know that. We pray for them. But I want to tell you, the hope that Jesus Christ brings into our life, and it's based upon what? We shall see him, and we shall be with him what a hope we have. Alex, doesn't get any better than that. Amen, folks. You can have that hope. Jesus is as close by as a prayer. Stay tuned. We're back after this with your calls and questions. Don't go away. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Somehow you see through my heart and you welcome me with open arms just as I Welcome back to Exploring the Word, Bert and Alex. The phone number, we failed to give it. We just talked right up to the going off time, and we didn't give that number. It's 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. We would love to hear your call today. We we would love to have your Bible question. Uh, we, we'll take prayer requests sometimes. We, uh, we want to treat this like a big Sunday school class if you want to know the truth, and we take prayer requests, Bible questions. But let me give this, Alex. I've been wanting to do this this week, and I thought I better hurry and do it today if I'm going to do it. Uh, Fishbowl Retreat, it's still on. It's going to be September the 26th, 27th, and 28th. It's going to be at the River Bend Retreat Center in Glen Rose, Texas. Jeff and Debbie Shreve is going to be our guest. Jan and I will be there teaching and leading and sharing and talking. It's the Pastor and Wife Fishbowl Retreat, September the 26th, 27th, and 28th, River Bend Retreat Center. And by the way, you can go to repairingthefoundations.net. That foundations, it's plural, so don't, if you leave off the S, you'll just have to learn how to fix your house, I tell you. But repairingthefoundations.net, and you can go to that link and register on 
line. And we would we have folks that are coming from all over, but so they need to get their name in. If you're wanting to get your pastor and him to come, uh, check with them first. I, I know a lot of folks that want to uh, say, hey, I, I want to surprise my pastor. Well, we've had some folks try to surprise their pastor, and the pastor had something planned that week. So September the 26th, 27th, 28th, ask the pastor and his wife if they can come and send them that way. That's that's the week right before uh, Pastor Appreciation Week or month, and it would be great. So anyway, Alex, Amen. Uh, with that all said, are you ready to take some phone calls? Uh, let's do it. Let's do it. We're going to go to, well, Mississippi, I believe. Steve, uh, do I have your state right? Are you in Mississippi, Steve? Uh, that's correct. Wonderful. Well, you're the first caller on today's edition of Exploring the Word. Well, good. Very, very exciting. Um, the sinner's prayer that uh, probably most believers have used to uh, come to their faith, uh, is is that correct? Would you would you agree with that? Um, yeah, yeah. The the sinner's prayer, which is a, a basic prayer of confession of sin, confession of Christ, and calling on His name to be born again. Yes, we we often call that the sinner's yeah. prayer. Correct. Um, did Martin Luther uh, pray that prayer? I don't know. I mean, I know he. It was Romans one sixteen that. Um, got his attention pretty much that says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation yeah. to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But um, exactly yeah, what did, he uh, prayed, I don't know. Did John Calvin pray that prayer? Uh, I don't know. Well, hey, I think I know where you might be going with this. He, um, it, you're, yeah. Are you asking, is the sinner's prayer biblical? Luke eighteen thirteen. Well, I got one of the Pharisee, yeah, the tax collector, beat his breast, and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know, it's interesting. I think you might even could get saved without necessarily praying verbally out loud. Um, C.S. Lewis was on a train from Oxford to London, and he said, when I got on the train, I didn't know that Jesus was the Son of God, but after I did get off the train, I believed that he was. Um, so um, cut to the question. Steve, let me hear what your question is. Simple act of belief. Yes. So, so the simple act of belief is necessary for one to uh, uh, be accepted and go to heaven. Is that correct? Um, yes. You what must believe. Faith. Oh, okay. You got to get the word believe right, uh, Steve. Listen. Uh, the way we use believe, and the way I've heard some people believe, no, it's more than head knowledge. It is it, that word believe in the Greek language. If you could put it, it's faithing in, faithing. It, it's, yes. it's, it's, it's a word that's hard to translate into the English language, trusting with all your heart. And listen, let me just say this. Helen Keller was a believer. But guess yes. what? She had a hard time listening and speaking. I know some people that are unable to speak words, but they got saved. Why? Because they believed in their heart, and then that confession, they agreed with God. And so, listen, you can say the words, and I know I make a big deal out of this, Alex. You can say all the words, because I've heard people say all the words and then come back and say, listen, uh, those words, was, was it my heart didn't change. 
the, remember what we said earlier. It's a work of inside in our life, our w- life, will, our emotions that works its way to the outside. So, mm-hmm. uh, listen, it's the attitude and the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and it, it is expressed in our words. Alex, that's I, I'm trying to be as plain as I can. Does that right. make sense? Well, and, and let me say this, and Steve, thanks, because um, I, I really think the genesis of this conversation is, you know, what is required for conversion? And like you say, a, a person who's mute, and maybe they can't vocalize, but still in their heart they can believe. Acts 2.21 says uh, that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But really in the Greek, it, the construction is really everyone upon calling on the name of the Lord will be saved. And you know what, Bert? Um, we think about calling on the name of the Lord vocally uh, dear Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Lord, please come into my life and save me and make me your child. The sinner's prayer, however it might be formulated, it contains these things. And you can know this in your heart, and you can think and call out to God in your mind, and he'll hear you. But you're admitting that you're a sinner. Yes, and you're acknowledging that that sin has separated you from God. Then you're, you're confessing, I do believe Jesus is who he claimed to be, the Son of God. And when Jesus was nailed to that cross, he did it for, for me. And Lord, please, wash my sins away, save my soul. Bert, it's the admission of sin, belief in Christ, trust in what he did and who he is. Call it the sinner's prayer. Call it, you know, Acts 2.21, the, the conversion prayer, whatever. But it means that you're putting your faith in Jesus, doesn't it? It really does. Steve, thank you for calling. Uh, uh, you were go- getting there. We hope we responded correctly. Where to uh, next, Alex? Uh, Nikolai in Texas. Um, uh, Nikolai, did I pronounce your name correctly? Yes, you did. Uh, my question was... Uh, what does heaven look like? Oh, wow. Well, well, first of all, Nikolai, uh, I just want to say that thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. I'm just really honored that you're listening to the program, uh, my friend. Thank you. Let me say this, Nikolai. With all, the biggest thing in heaven is Jesus is there. Now, again, everything else, I think it's streets of gold. I believe everything the Word says, but that pales what I mean by pale, that doesn't even measure up what it would be like because Jesus is there. That What makes heaven heaven is the presence of Jesus Christ. You could have all the gold streets. You could have all the gates of pearl. You could have the walls of jasper. But if Jesus was not there, God the Father on his throne, uh, it would not quite measure up. So, Nikolai, uh, it's described pretty well in the Bible, but Jesus on the throne, uh, the Father, that's what makes, honestly, that's what makes heaven so unique. Alex, go ahead. Well, uh, Nikolai, it's imagine the most wonderful day you've ever had. Maybe it's a beautiful summer day and everything's going right, and it's you're with the people you love, your family or your grandma or whomever, the greatest day you've ever experienced, the most joyful you've ever been, and it's like that day every day because Jesus is there. And so, Nikolai, um, I'll tell you, if we get your address, 
I would love to send you one of our books. And um, hey, Nikolai, what grade you in? Oh, I'm in third grade. Third grade. What's your best subject? Uh, my favorite one. Yeah. Probably like science. <laughs> Wonderful. Hey, man, my, you know what mine was, Nikolai? Recess. I hate to say it. My, listen, no. My, I have a grandson that's in the third grade, and I tell you what, Nikolai, that is an awesome age. One in the fourth grade, and Nikolai, thank you. And thank and, your grandmother for helping you call in today. And but, uh, you keep listening. I'm, I'm going to send you the book that, that Mr. Burt and I wrote together, and please keep on listening, and I'm very, very gl- glad that you're tuned in, Nikolai, and we'll get your address. We're going to send you a book, my friend. Don in Oklahoma. Don, are you there? Yes, I am. Alex Bird, good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon. Thank you. A uh, quick comment on that. Um, I'd like to make a contrast. If okay. uh, God's paving the streets with gold, then... How can you imagine what what the the rest of it is? <laughs> Amen. Hey, Don, did you hear about the guy that God permitted him to take a little bit of gold to heaven with him? And uh, he walked I don't up think to. I did. Yeah, I know, but he walked up to St. Peter, and St. Peter said, "Yeah, we got a pothole over here. We've been we can throw that gold in the pothole and fill it up. That's mm-hmm. okay. Don't send anything. That's a joke. But not, Don, I agree <laughs> with you, brother. What must it be? Go ahead." Anyway, uh, concerning uh, praying for, uh, I was I was brought up Lutheran, so I was baptized as an infant, and uh, by the age of four, I already knew all about Jesus, and I knew I was saved, uh, but I didn't know it, know it, okay. And then I grew up with a, uh, a a type of family; they were very superficial about it. I was, I think, I was the only one that saved. I don't even know my family has abandoned me. That's another story. I'm uh, sorry. But thank you. Um, but all growing up, I kind of knew I was saved. Uh, and even when in my heyday, uh, when I was not with Jesus, uh, I would always defend him. So I knew that there was always there. And there were so many points growing up between that and uh, my teenage years uh, when uh, when I knew that it was, it was God talking through me, okay? And I won't give you examples, but over the years, and this is where sanctification comes in, he's got a long arm. He has pulled me out of the abyss so many times, okay? He will not let me go, and I know. I'm 65 now, and uh, I didn't, I didn't uh, use his gifts very well, uh, I'll tell you what, the last 10 years since I've been here from Detroit, uh, AFR, and hate to say this on uh, radio for you guys, but you're kind of uh, <clears throat> brothers over on the other side, Pot Radio, very best teachers I have ever heard. Well, let me say uh, that, Don, they're friends of ours. Amen. Bach, they're friends. They, we're not in competition. We work, praise God, together. So go ahead. Amen. Anyway. And those came into my life uh, by the divine uh, intervention of God completely. And uh, But I've always waffled on the idea that uh, uh, our, uh, our predecessors, our ascended saints, can see us. 
Okay. And I've started to lean towards the idea that they can. Okay, and Don, we're going to we're going to go ahead and Alex respond to that. We want to uh respond to Don. I I I don't know if they can see us exactly, but I right. know they're for us. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 is that classic passage that says, and, and this is after the Hebrews 11, sometimes called the Faith Hall of Fame, but it says, seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us, and let us run the race that we are running. Now, Bert, I've had people say, uh, well, people are watching from the grandstands of heaven, cheering us on. Maybe they are. They, they might be. Um, but at the very least, I think that means that in light of like all those people in Hebrews 11, that they were willing to lay down their life and suffer and die for the sake of the gospel, uh, how much more can we? Because look, We've got the Bible. We know the tomb is empty. Christ is coming back. I've read the back of the book, and we win. We have every incentive to give our all for Christ, don't we? We really do. Let me share this with you. If you run a marathon, it's not a sprint. In the marathon, you see them leave and you see them arrive. If that witnesses is true, surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, as we're finishing the race and coming to glory— I believe they're in the grandstand shouting for us all the way. So when we get to heaven, we are welcomed into that congregation of assembled saints that's gone on before us. That's what I'm ready and hoping will happen one day in all the people who are listening as well as mine. Go ahead, I Alex. Get, I want to get one more call in. Debbie in Iowa. Debbie, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Uh, thanks for yes, for I'm here. What you got, Debbie? Oh well, thank you for your program. Um, it's one of the only things that uh, reduces my anxiety and worry about where our country is going. And mm. um, I have uh, uh, I've been praying about a problem. I could use some advice on. I um, have a close friend. We were, we're we used to be in contact every day, calling each other, talking to each other. But she's more of a liberal, and I'm a conservative, and it has gotten in the way on my end, just on my end. Debbie, she, forgive she, me. I'm going to ask you to call back tomorrow, and we're going to give it justice. Bert, how do you do that when you're conservative? Maybe your close friend is not. How do you navigate that, Bert? I want to tell you, you stand and speak the truth in love, not arguing, not trying to debate. Speak truth, and God takes that truth, and God is able to take truth and he can do the work. I doubt if we can. God can. And so we stand on truth, Debbie. That's where we stand. We can do no other. Hey, listen, uh, we're glad you listened today on Exploring the Word, and we thank you for calling in. Sorry we didn't get to some of those calls. We'd love to do that, and we'll try to do that next time. But until then, tell someone about Exploring the Word, but more importantly, tell them about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.